Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. We're back down to a one Paulson pod today. I know. It's too bad because I think Grant, you know, he's excellent. So it's always nice to have him on. Great conversation with Grant. If you missed that earlier in the week, highly recommend checking it out. As for today, kind of a free agency, are we done yet, slash recap uh, here to start. And then we're going to dive into some of the mock drafts a little bit later on in the show. Some really interesting players being mocked, some guys we haven't talked about being mocked. Does that mean we think it's a bad idea or just some, some new guys rising up the board for whatever reason as we get a little bit closer to the draft? Actually, we're just over a month now. I think a month and a, and a week Whoa. exactly away uh, from the draft uh, as, as this comes out. So, uh, Logan, free agency pretty much wrapped up the first wave of it anyway. Um, like in, in my book, like CJ Gardner Johnson signing was kind of the last guy um, that everyone was kind of waiting on. Um, of course, Lamar still has to play out. And he's going to linger, I think, for a while um, and might ultimately wind up playing on that $32 million tag or sitting out or who knows what's going to happen there. But most of the main wave of free agency is done. And the commanders, you know, filled some holes. They, they got some solid football players at positions of need. Uh, what ultimately, how do you grade them out through this first wave of free agency? And, and how have they set themselves up for both the second wave of free agency and, and the draft? I think this is kind of like where they want to be, you know, and I think there's, like a philosophical element here that maybe I don't entirely agree with, but that doesn't mean that it's bad process. And I genuinely believe that. So what, you know, they go out and they don't sign necessarily like big name free agencies, but they, they find guys that are kind of scheme fits. Like, you know, Andrew Wiley to me is really, really interesting. He kind of exemplifies this. He's the biggest name to sign in the class. Um, and, you know, the more you watch him, the more you like him. You kind of say, man, he's a good athlete. He's, he's aggressive in the run game. He knows what he's doing. Um, the enemy obviously can elevate him. But again, he's not, you know, Orlando Brown, for example. And I understand that like people, fans were kind of pushing for that signing, but I don't necessarily think that's the right fit because you're also negotiating price, which is another element here too. So um, I think that if you look at the Andrew Wiley signing as like a B kind of signing, then I think you think this free agent period for them is very, very good, right? Because in addition to Andrew Wiley, they get Nick Gates. And I think Nick Gates is a swing guard. And I think for a swing guard, swing guard center, 
is fine, right? Um, then the linebacker from Seattle, um, I think, is a guy with some higher upside. And I don't, that's something else I would keep an eye on. You kind of said, where are we going? I think they're going to mm-hmm. kind of keep bringing linebackers in. Um, they had some linebackers for the draft in the building already, kind of for their 30 for 30 visits. Like they're definitely going to do something there. It just depends on what it is, right? Are they going to draft a young guy? They're going to bring in kind of a, a free agent to compete at that spot. So I think if there's one area that they've addressed that will they, they will continue to address, it's probably linebacker. But I think if you look at the Wiley signing as a very solid, consistent signing based on scheme fit, based on his film at Kansas City, I think you feel pretty good about it. Now, you can argue, and I think there's a debate to be had, and we, and we can talk about this more, whether or not you think Wiley is a legitimate, is like a kind of top 15 tackle in the NFL. And I think that's up for debate. In this system, can he be a top fifteen tackle? I think that's a more relevant question. Sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat the the question here a little bit. Sure. The most significant signing the Commanders made this offseason is not a player. It's Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. And and I think that that is sometimes forgotten. Where it's like you know we were talking with Grant the other day. It's like well they brought in Darren Waller, Giants brought in Darren Waller, and this team brought you know Cowboys traded for Brandon Cooks. I'm like cool. The Commanders traded for a better Terry McLaurin. They yeah. traded for a better Jahan Dotson. They traded for a better everything because they significantly, as far as we know, you know, there are the questions that we, we and they're only questions because we've never seen Eric Bieniemy be an OC outside right. of Andy Reid's scope. But based off what we know and what we think, which is, you know, we know he's very smart, very detail-oriented. We think that's going to translate well. The They upgraded every offensive position, maybe even some significantly, by bringing in a new offensive coordinator. So in that way, I think it's important just to re-mention that and shape the offseason through that lens. Like they they made every position better offensively because of that move. I think they upgraded at quarterback. Um, you know, we'll see obviously what Sam is, but uh, Brissett is is arguably the best quarterback they've had in here since Kirk. Which is crazy. Like it's him, true. it's yeah. him, it's Taylor, or it's if you like your 2018 pre-injury Alex Smith. Like those are the options. Um you know, they, the wide receiver room should be better because, uh, Jahan's in his second year and, and Curtis and, and Terry, as long as they're healthy or they're them. Mm. Um, but you know, John was only a rookie last year and you saw how good he was. Um, the tight end room, I think is still a big question. And then offensive line we we've talked about, and I still do think, you know, something we'll talk about with the mock drafts is there's a chance that they do to Charles Leno, for instance, you know what the bears did to Charles Leno, which is how they acquired Charles Leno, which is they take a tackle and they're like, this guy's our left tackle. He's better than Leno. And you move on from Charles Leno and, and, and save the cap space and maybe make another move at linebacker at wherever in that second wave of free agency. I think defensively, like there are still definitely some questions. Um, I like Barton's potential at linebacker. It clearly, like you said, they're trying to do some more there. One guy we haven't really talked about is cam Dantzler. Um, who they bring in and like the Cam Dantzler experience is kind of summed up by one of the key plays of the Viking season last year, where it's one of those close games where they won all of them in the regular season and Dantzler gets beat by someone. I don't remember which game it was gets beat by someone hustles his tail off, goes in, forces a fumble on the guy that had just caught the ball on him and helps seal the game. Like that's, you know, he, he'll give some stuff up, but he plays really hard. That's kind of what I, my, my file on him. Um, you obviously have watched some tape on him if we want to expand on Dantzler. So I haven't watched Dantzler yet, but I'm hoping okay. to watch him soon. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll expand on him, make sure that's, that's tacked onto a pod at some point soon. But 
you know, I, he doesn't exactly like inspire a ton of confidence. Uh, if M- Minnesota was willing to move on from him, uh, they were already so bad defensively last year. If they're like, yeah, we know we're bad defensively, but that we don't even need this guy. Um, you know, so I, who knows what they're going to do at corner in the draft, obviously. And, and we feel pretty good about the safety position and obviously D line, they resign pain, uh, yada, yada, yada. So long story short, I think they're solid all around. I think they had, like, I give them an a minus for this off season so far, and they were never going to get an a or an a plus because that's just not the plan. Their plan was not to swing big enough to do that outside of re-signing their guy in Deron Payne. And I guess in that way, if you were to say like, oh, they signed Deron Payne and they were not re-signing Deron Payne, we'd probably look at this offseason pretty differently. And in that that lens, like I think that helps explain like why to me they're in the A range. Yeah, I guess for me, I probably put them in the more like B, B minus range. And that's not a knock. I'm going to grade them hard because I do think that there are some things that like, again, if I'm being the GM of the team, I would do differently. You know what I mean? And like when I, I watched a lot of film of Kansas City over the last couple of days, I'm doing something for the show. And it's crazy, like how good that offense is because of Patrick Mahomes and because of Travis Kelsey and because of what those guys do to elevate. So there is a it's not going to be a one to one corollary. I don't think it's going to it's going to really test DB, right? This is not the same team. It's not the same quarterback situation not the same offensive line so I think the offense is going to look drastically different because when you look at it from a thousand foot view it's very very similar to what they were running here with Scott Turner so how does EB kind of find ways to elevate you know um I've almost said Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, and um, <laughs> Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett and this offensive line which I think he's totally capable of doing and he's shown an ability to do let's 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 dive in on that how yeah. does that happen what are, what because to me it's like play call sequencing it's it's you yeah. know finer attention to detail on execution but like what when you say that let's let's dive in on how he actually goes about doing that yeah so i think that's the tough thing is because same house had such a small sample size i've kind of kicked around like what do you do do you kind of revert back to what he did in college because if that's the case then you do run something akin to what they did in kansas city but is he going to be able to run it as well as patrick mahomes is my question right a lot of RPO, a lot of quarterback read, like, you know, is that a feature of the offense or do you kind of say, hey, we're going to kind of move more Kyle Shanahan insulating the quarterback and say, we're going to have this really complicated, you know, um, running scheme, right? That puts our guys in good position with good angles. We're going to lean on that to find our big chunk plays and then take our play action pass shots off of that, which Sham in the, in the final game against Dallas showed a high ability to do. So I do think one of those leverages Sam more than I would probably feel comfortable with. But like we've talked about on this show, I don't like leveraging my quarterback at all. Like, especially if he's a young guy, I want to make it as simple and as easy. And I'm going to say idiot proof as possible. Not that Sam's an idiot, but I want, I want it to be very, very comfortable for him. And I want to stress other positions, especially when I don't have Patrick Mahomes. I don't have Tom Brady. I don't have Peyton Manning. I don't have Drew Brees, right? You can stress the heck out of those guys. I want something that's more akin to what San Francisco does, partially because I understand that system better. But I do think Eric Bieniemy understands that. He's not a dumb guy. He gets what's going on. I look at what Jacoby Brissett did in Cleveland, right? When he was balling, it's heavy Nick Chubb, heavy complicated run scheme, play action pass shot. He has to win in some very critical third down situations, and he's able to do that. I think that kind of system is something that I'd like to see here. And I think because of Eric Bieniemy's offensive background, his, his affinity for running backs, his ability to find running backs, his ability to coach the run game. I think that'll definitely be a feature. It's just like what extent that looks like. And again, this is my perspective. And if you were to talk to Ron, he might feel totally differently about this. And I think that's fine because they did have, 
you know, kind of endless practice to watch of him. Now, he wasn't practicing a ton, but they feel some type of way about him. And in this offseason, I think you're going to get to see, like, what he can and cannot do and what he does really, really well. And so I think that still remains that, – that, that script is still going to be written in some ways. Yeah, that that's an interesting decision that coaches have to make because let's say they go into the spring and they put a little bit more – on Sam to just kind of part of the test and two, because they think that's the best course of action. They can handle it. And it doesn't go smoothly at the beginning. They have to make a determination. Is this something he doesn't get yet that we just need to give him more reps and time and like continue to practice it. And by the time we get into the fall and by the time we get to week one of the regular season, he'll be fine. Uh, or do you abandon ship and be like, okay, full, full Brock Purdy plan, full, whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, Nick Mullins plan full, well, whatever, and like abandon and go super insulated because you know, like you said, Eric Bannon is super smart. He's capable of doing the whole gamut Whatever. of different things. And and the thing is, like when Patrick Mahomes was a younger player, like it'd be interesting to know to see like what the offense looked like for Patrick Mahomes in his first season as a starter, as opposed to what he looks like last season when he's the best quarterback on the planet three years running. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of going to be the interesting thing to watch this spring is. How much do they put on Sam? How does he handle it? And then if he doesn't handle it, like if he handles it great, then woohoo, great. we're off and yeah. flying. If he doesn't handle it great, is it something where they see enough progress and he shows an understanding that it's just the dots haven't connected yet, but you're on the way? Or do you need to kind of scrap that plan or at least pull back on the plan uh, to, to make sure that this offense can click when you get to September? Yeah, and I think that's really... That, yeah, I mean, that's that's the tough thing, right? It's because, like, you know, when you look at the offense in Kansas City with Alex Smith there, it was heavy 13, heavy 22, fullbacks, tight ends, taking shots with Tyreek Hill, kind of biding your time, this methodical ball control offense, and that fit Alex Smith really well. And then they kind of kept elements of that when Patrick Mahomes was young because it does insulate. And then all of a sudden, you kind of realize, like, you know, midway through that year that he's – you know, the second coming of the best quarterback ever, and you can do whatever you want with them, right? So I think that's something that, again, it's going to be really fascinating because offenses, I think people think it's like, oh, this is our offenses. We're going to run. Offenses evolve like in season, in the off season, right? It's like, what do we, what do we feel good about? Oh, we really like this run because our right tackle can really do it. And then that guy gets hurt. It's like, well, we don't like this as much, right? Or the receiver runs this route really well. So we're going to really lean into that. Like Jahan running choice routes, that became a bigger feature of the offense this year because Jahan was good at it and they didn't really have somebody who was excellent at it the way Jahan was. So, you know, JD was that guy prior to this. So I think finding kind of what guys do well is going to be a really interesting process. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of coordinators I talk to say it takes a couple of years to like really feel out and build your offense, not only because it takes guys time to learn, but because it kind of takes time. It takes the coach time to find out where guys fit. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's it's really compelling. I think that's one of the reasons you bring a guy like Andrew Wiley in is so that he can feel comfortable and confident with knowing the system and kind of knowing what that skill set is. But yeah, I think that that to me is going to be so fun to watch this offseason is what is the maturation? What is the evolution of this offense? So that's something to kind of keep an eye on for sure. And something that um, I, I wish I could give you a definitive answer on, but obviously I can't because it's still that that page has not been written yet. 
Yeah. Uh, so that leaves us like, where are they now? What What do you expect before we get into the mock drafts? Like, is there anything particular you're like, that's a draft need, that's a second wave of free agency need, or is it just whatever, however the board falls and then you fill in the rest? Well, I think that's really interesting. And I'm glad you brought that up because I do think there's the second wave of free agency, right? Which we're kind of moving into now. And I do think if they signed a linebacker there, great. I think the other kind of period of free agency that people forget about is the period directly after the draft. I mean, that's yeah. where they were able to... I guess to... I was considering that second, but I okay. guess it's really third, yeah. you know, because, because like the top third. guys are off the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and so that's where, like, you got you get a guy like Charles Leno who gets cut because they draft somebody, they think he's going to be the heir apparent, and you get a really, really good football player at a very, very good number for, for the team that starts. And say what you want about Charles Leno. I know the fans are not very high on him, but he's a serviceable starting left tackle. And I think that's fine. Like if you were to compare snap for snap him to Orlando Brown, which I was able to do like over the last couple of days, the difference is not as drastic as people think. It's like, it's not like, it's not like Trent Williams compared to Charles Leno. It's like two guys who, depending on the matchup, one might favor Leno, one might favor Orlando Brown are going to, are kind of in the same ballpark. And I think that's fans don't want to hear that. I look at Norwell. Imagine if the scheme were to elevate what Norwell does well, because I don't think he played poorly last year. He didn't play great, but he didn't play bad. I know fans hate that, and he becomes everybody's whipping boy. But like when you look at O-line play around the league, he's a serviceable guard. You have a serviceable left tackle. You have a serviceable guard. Obviously, there's some flux at center. Cosme and then Wiley, who was a serviceable right tackle. So you went from like a group that was a little bit in flux. You upgraded a couple spots. You kind of stayed the same <clears throat> at certain positions, and you say – we're okay. And so I think that with regards to what they need to do, I think keep an eye out for the post-draft stuff. Linebacker, post-draft, in-draft, I think is something that really needs to be addressed. And then I think we're going to talk about this with the mocks, but corner specifically is something that I think is very, very important to address. Not only because I think it's kind of a team need, but because this draft is saturated with cornerbacks. So why not take a position where there's a tremendous value there? And you can get tremendous value, not in the second round, but probably in the third round. Like I think Julius Brents from Kansas State, everyone's talking about him. He's big, he's long, he's freaky. He could be a third round pick for you. And you'd probably be like, great. Like this guy's uh, could right. start for us, right? He could develop right. it. He's like the Benjamin St. Juice of this year's class. So I think that that is, um, uh, that's something I expect him to do in the draft basically. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.
So let's get into it. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And these are the mock drafts. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, actually, I want to start with Mel Kuypers. Um, okay. Kuyper put one out yesterday. And the reason I want to start with Kuyper is because he's got Washington taking a corner. Um, just real quick to roll through the picks prior. Uh, he's got Stroud going one. Uh, Bryce Young going two. A trade for... Uh, Indianapolis swapping with Arizona three and four Levis goes three. Will Anderson goes four. Anthony Richardson five to Seattle, which I don't get why you mock a quarterback to Seattle at five, considering they just re-signed Gino, but that's a different discussion for the, I, I know it's a one year. I know it's only really a one year deal, but that's a, that's for the Seahawks podcaster for a later podcast with us. Uh, Lions. He's got taking Jalen Carter, Gonzalez and Witherspoon go seven and eight to so the two top corners off the board. Paris Johnson, nine to Chicago. Skaronsky, 10 to Philadelphia. Tyree Wilson to Tennessee. Nolan Smith, freaky edge from Georgia, goes 12 to Houston. Jets take Broderick Jones, so another tackle gone. Patriots take Joey Porter Jr. Uh, Lucas Van Ness goes 15 to Green Bay. And then he's got Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State, who weighs all of 166 pounds, but is a 4-3-5 guy who went toe-to-toe with a bunch of SEC receivers and held up all year uh, and over multiple years. He's got Emmanuel Forbes going 16 to Washington. What do you make of that? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Usually they specify in their mock drafts whether they're promoting trades. I I I I really they, like they are in that one Kuiper because he does a trade earlier from yeah. three to or three and four swapping. Right. Okay. So if I, I do I like Emmanuel Forbes? Yes. Do I think he's an excellent football player? Yes. Does he have the best ball production of any corner in this draft class? Yes. Is he he's got this, he's 166 pounds, but he's will he's a willing tackler. He's physical, he's got long arms, he's got good change of direction. He's a he's a ball player. You know, he's 166 pounds. So I do think that this is a little bit high, but do I understand why Mel Kuyper has him selected here? Yes. What I would say to Mel Kuyper in a perfect world, and that now this is drafts kind of philosophy here, is if I'm Washington, I'm trading back out of the spot, 100, 100 out of 100. And that's, not, and that's not a knock on Forbes. It's just I don't know if the difference between Forbes and Deontay Banks is that big. Right. right, he's got banks for whatever it's worth going seventeen right after them to, oh, wow. to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so he's got these corners really jacked up, and I. So this is something interesting. Like we're going to get into a little bit of draft philosophy here, but yeah, let's do the it. positions of value in this draft. I think we've mentioned this before: our cornerback, edge rusher, and offensive line to a certain extent. Right. So while there are other positions of value like tight end, running back, their positional value is lower than those other groups. Right. So the reason I want to bring that up is like think about. If you were to draft a tight end in the first round, he would be the he would be a top five paid player at the position, right? Because he's just getting this, you know, what is it? It's fifteen million a year or something like that. It's a big contract number, guaranteed contract number. Well, no, no, not not the first round pick. Uh, it's like fifteen million total. Right, but it's guaranteed money, right? Is that, is that it? Is but like your cap hit is not, not right very high. But what I'm saying is that like that guaranteed value is like similar to some of the top guys at the position. You know what I mean? In terms of that year, for that year. So like, I, what, I, what I'm saying is like, you get, a, you get a top tight end making 14 million a year. You draft a tight end in the first round. It's let's say it's 5 million a year, just hypothetically, right? Mm. If I draft a tackle in the first round, I'm getting a tackle at 5 million a year. The top tackles in the league are getting paid 30 million a year, 25, 27 million a year. So why am I going to waste that 
first round selection financially on something where I get much more return for my buck on like a quarterback, on a DB, on a receiver, an offensive lineman, on an edge rusher, right? So I think those positions, DB, edge, offensive line, are going to get inflated because positional value for them is so high. Running back, tight end should and I think will get pushed down. So that is just kind of a philosophical kind of analytics approach to the draft. I do think that you want to get a corner in this draft. I do, would, it be, would I be stoked if it was Emmanuel Forbes? Yes. Would I be a little disappointed if it was at 16? Probably. But I understand the selection. I would just trade back. I think you can get good players later in the round. You know, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami is a good football player. Um, I can't like, there's a million of them. But what I'm saying is like trade back, add more picks later in the, later in the draft. And that's another thing. Is this draft worth trading back in? That's something I want to bring up to you because a lot of people say they're having a hard time filling out their top 80 or top 90 spots. So if I trade back, am I getting someone who's really going to be a game changer for me offensively or defensively? I don't know. But do I like the pick? Yes. Do I like the approach? Yes. Do I like the positional value? Yes. It just is Emmanuel Forbes going to go that high based on stuff I've been reading? I don't think so. But do I like the player? Do I like the philosophy? Do I like the approach? Yes. Yeah. Was that I'm trying to remember back because I don't. In all my draft prep last year, I don't remember ever seeing Jahan Dotson as high as the commanders ultimately took him. Right. So, um, and, and a- so it feels a little like that where it's like, okay, this guy's a little undersized. He doesn't necessarily fit the, what you'd expect to be the 16th pick at a wide receiver. And turns out he's freaking awesome. And if that's Emmanuel Forbes, sweet. Sign me up. Is he a slight overdraft at 16? Potentially based off with the lead. Like, could you have traded back a couple of spots? Yeah. But you'd rather like, I'd rather slightly overpay, if you will, in this this situation than completely miss the player. Like this isn't, you know, I, I this is now on top of mind because I talked about it heavy on the radio show yesterday. The amount you're going to have to overpay to get Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore is not worth the overpay. Right. The amount of overdraft you might have to take to draft a guy like Emmanuel Forbes four picks higher than he probably should right. go. I don't care about that. As opposed to not having him is worth it. If, if, if you think he's your guy, right? Which again, right. I don't know what they think. And that was the thing about Jahan. When I remember, I remember talking to a couple of receivers coaches around the league and before the draft last year, and it was very apparent to me that the league was higher on Jahan than, um, than the media was on Jahan, right? Mm-hmm. They liked what he did. They liked how he caught the ball. They liked his route running acumen. He was just ready to go. And so I think I haven't done my DB stuff yet in terms of talking to coaches, but I would imagine that the stuff he brings is very, very valuable, regardless of size. So could I, could he get pumped up like this? Absolutely, especially if there's a run on corners like there was in this draft, right? Because he had Joy Porter Jr. going. He's got, at, yeah, he's got uh, the two top two going seven and eight. And then Joey Porter Jr. going. Uh, 14. Where'd he go? 14. Uh, somewhere in that. Yeah, 14 to New England. 14. So, you know, if if there's a little bit of a run and you're feeling a little bit froggy, like why not? But I do think, you know, like when I talk to analytics people about the draft this year, if you're taking a corner at 16, they think it's kind of foolish because there's a whole bunch of guys with really high grades, starting caliber grades. So if you can trade back, right. And we talked about already how, if you trade back, you get in that, you're still in that second tier of cornerbacks, which I think Emmanuel Forbes is in. I think he's a top end of that second tier. So I like the pick at 16, but I would also say that you trade back and now you're in that kind of second wave of offensive tackle too, which again is a very high position of value. So I think that's kind of where I would edge in this situation, but you know, 
Like, like you said, if you're drafting a guy that you love at 16, as opposed to 20 and you get the guy that you want, then that's the right move. Interestingly enough, banks is the last corner he has going in the first, which is where, uh, uh, which is right after 17, 17, but no more corners, huh? No more corners in the first. So he's got Can you just read the rest of it. Just, just yeah. So banks banks at 17 to Pittsburgh, Michael Mayer to the lions at 18 Darnell, Wright 19 to the bucks, uh, Smith and Jigba to Jacksonville or sorry to, uh, Seattle at 20 Dalton Kincaid, 21 to the chargers, a flowers, 22 to the Ravens, which just feels like a super Ravensy pick, by the way. Zay like Flowers. everyone loves Zay Flowers. He's everyone's he's like good. he's awesome. He's a good football player. And then he's going to go to Baltimore and be very good. <laughs> uh, or we'll go to Baltimore and stink because the Ravens are bad at receiver. Uh, Vikings take Quentin Johnson, uh, wide receiver out of TCU, uh, kind of an Adam Thielen replacement. Will McDonald, the fourth defensive end, Iowa State to Jacksonville at twenty four. Jordan Addison, twenty five. Giants have taken so many receivers out of Southern Cal over the years. Uh, Cowboys take out of Baware, uh, defensive end out of Northwestern uh, at 26. Yeah. John Robinson, 27 to Buffalo, who's a super interesting guy in this draft. Uh, Darnell Washington, the freaky tight end out of Georgia, goes 28 to Cincinnati. Uh, Brian Brees, or Brian Breesy? Brees? Yeah, sorry, Brees. sorry, Brian. Uh, he goes to New Orleans. Uh, which, by the way, that pick is New Orleans via Denver, Miami, San Francisco. The pick has been traded <laughs> a lot. Uh, Philadelphia takes the Cansey, the DT out of Pittsburgh. Uh, and then uh, Andike Uzoma, the DN out of Kansas State to Kansas City at 31. Yeah. So that's that. So that, I mean, that, that feels like, a, like the second half of that feels right. Now, yeah. you could get into maybe a corner bumps in, maybe a tackle, maybe like a Dewan Jones, maybe like an Anton Harrison um, bumps in there and kicks one of those guys out. But that 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 it, those names are going to get drafted in the top 50 picks, most likely, unless something crazy yeah. comes out. So you feel good about that, that positioning. But that's interesting that no more corners made it in. But I, I kind of feel I, I don't disagree with him in terms of the ranking of his cornerbacks. And I, I mean, I. I really like Emmanuel Forbes. So if he's a good, if he's here as a football player next year, I'll be pretty stoked about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's switch over to Daniel Jeremiah's mock, which is one. I hate. Can we do a segment, by the way. Yeah. I well, there's a lot of picks in this one that I'm not super fond of. Um, we do a segment on the radio now called Mock the Mock. This one was pretty easy to make fun of. Right. There's just a lot of now. It it doesn't help uh, DJ, who I like by the way. I think he's very yeah. Good. DJ's awesome. Um, and super nice guy. Uh, but he does not have any traits in his mock. So that does hurt the ability to look like a genius, I think, on your mocks. Because sometimes you're like, that is a terrible pick. They should definitely trade out. And it's not an option for him. So he's got Bryce Young going to Carolina at one. Stroud going two to Houston. Will Anderson three to Arizona. That seems very correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richardson four to Indy, which I actually kind of love. Richardson going to Shane Steichen. Um Five, Jalen Carter. Six, Devin Witherspoon to the Lions. Tyree Wilson goes seven to Las Vegas. Gonzalez goes eight to the Falcons. Nine, Skaronsky to Chicago. Peter Skaronsky just sounds like a Chicago Bear. Doesn't it? I mean, what a, what a name. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Van Ness to Philly, which doesn't that's, make a ton of sense. I, dude, I but know that's, like, that's their philosophy, though. Like, I yeah. can see that happening. Uh, 11, 
Tennessee. He's got Jackson Smith and Jigbo, which seems way too way high. Way high. It does seem high. But if he's your best receiver, okay, we'll talk about that in a second. I'll make a note of that. 11. Go ahead. Uh, 12, Houston, Miles Murphy from Clemson. 13, Nolan Smith goes to the Jets. 14, Bajan Robinson goes to the Patriots. Mm. Running back. Uh, Paris Johnson goes 15 to Green Bay. And then Dalton Kincaid goes 16 to Washington. Let's just talk about that pick first. And then I want to talk about at least one other player who's still on the board that if Washington, like if Washington winds up in this situation, super interesting decision to make. But what about Kincaid? Yeah. So I basically, I'm a tight end. I love tight ends. I think it's one of the best mismatched positions in football, but I hate this pick. I hate picking a tight end in the first round. And I just think the precedent, the history set by the position recently is that first round tight ends don't necessarily lead to first round production, right? Rob Gronkowski, um, Hernandez, all later round picks, Gates, later round pick, um, like any, like George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kelsey, Kelsey, right? They're all later round picks. And again, I think it's just a really hard position to evaluate. And I also think it's a position, a, a position that is so scheme dependent, much like linebacker defensively. And people say, oh, well, Eric Bieniemy had a great tight end in Kansas City. He needs a great tight end here. I don't necessarily see that as a huge need. I think Logan Thomas, I think the guys they have here are very traits driven. I think they had, I, I, I so I basically, I think, based on positional value, based on scheme fit, based on the value of other positions still on the board, I would be shocked if they did this. Shocked. And not only that, this is not a knock on Dalton Kincaid. He's basically like a big slot receiver. So you have a guy in Jahan or Curtis Samuels who's going to do that for you anyway. So you're going to take one of those guys off the field to put Dalton Kincaid on the field because he cannot, like, while I think he's a willing blocker, he's not overly physical, right? So is he twitchy enough? Is he dynamic enough to kind of make these plays he reminds me a little bit of hunter henry kind of that vibe you know not overly mm -hmm. twitchy but kind of savvy and has enough twitch to kind of say well maybe so i don't know i just think that's like uh i think it's really high for him i think he's and then the other thing i, I lost what i thought there but this tight end class is insanely deep there's probably nine ten eleven eleven guys i would say that are have starter grades in my opinion so eleven wow. Why would I take this guy when I can get Sam Laporta in the second round, who's way more productive, way more physical, like ran faster so far. Kincaid hasn't run his 40 yet, but I'm saying is a much better football player at this point in his career and would fit in this system or the system they ran last year much, much better. So I don't know. I look at that and I say, eh, or the kid from Cincinnati who catches the football. You know, there, there's a ton of guys that are going to come in and contribute from this group. I don't want to burn a pick at 16 on a tight end in my, in this year's draft and just generally. Yeah, no. I mean, if you have, if you have Kyle Pitts, maybe, um, because well, you just know he's, he's a different animal, but also like so far, I don't know that they've justified using the fourth pick on Kyle Pitts. The fourth pick is different than the 16th pick, but right. And so Kyle Pitts is a great example. Like he is the, he was the easiest tight end I've ever evaluated. He's big, he's fast, he's got great body control, he can win versus corners, he can beat linebackers, he can block a defensive end. He could do whatever you wanted him to do. And schematically, they just haven't utilized him. So was the evaluation wrong? No. But I'm saying it's such a scheme-driven position, like receivers, for example, 
they're they're kind of inherently drawn into the offense. You're throwing the football, you need a receiver, right? Tight ends, there's a schematic element. You look at Kansas City and the production uh, Kelsey gets. Now, he's a fantastic route runner, but they put him in situations and they call plays for him that are a little bit unconventional because he's the main feature of their offense. And I think that that's something that fans need to understand. When you have a productive tight end, look at any of the, any of the really productive guys. Like, they are the feature of the offense. Andrews in Baltimore. Kittle, when Debo's out, is the feature in San Francisco. He gets a lot of very specific targets. You would need to cultivate the offense around that position, in my in my opinion, to justify that pick at 16. And I don't think that that's, that's worth it, you know? Yeah, well, especially with this receiver group, that would be malpractice to, hey, well, let's draft a tight end at 16 and ignore those receivers we got out there. Right. Uh, bad idea, bad idea. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So the other like crazy interesting thing about the way DJ mocks this is Will Levis is still on the board. Like, whew. like if if all of a sudden you're sitting at 16 and Will Levis, one of the top four quarterbacks in this class, who some people have as a top three pick, is on the board and you are about to enter this season with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Do you take you consider taking Will Levis? Like, obviously, if a team wants to trade up for Will Levis, that seems like a great option here. But would you consider taking Will Levis? I would definitely yes. consider taking him 100%. 100%. And, it, and the other thing is, if he's there, I'm definitely going to trade back because I know Tampa Bay is going to try to try to trade up and get him. So that's who he's got. He's got Tampa taking him at 19. It's crazy. Yeah, I know they're going to trade up. So I'm be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to take Will Levis right now. And Tampa's going to be like, all right, well, we'll come up and get him. So I think that, um, yeah, that's surprising to me. He fell that low in this draft. But yeah, if he's available, and he's again, people got to remember, is it best player available? And what you've done in free agency so far, which you just talked about, allows you to take the best player available. And if you think it's Will Levis and you think his upside's better, 100%. At 16? Hell yeah, I'd take him. Yeah, no, I, I like, that's the thing is there's just no way Will Levis is on the board at 16 and he's not the best player on your board because there's yeah. everyone else that's better than him would have, would have had to have gone to push Will Levis down that far. Right. Um, so it's, it's really kind of crazy to me, but it, it's also that like at that point you are dealing with the fact that your GM, well, I guess not your GM because Mark Mayhew's the GM by position, but your president of football operations, the guy who was the lead decision maker 
and supposed to have a long-term view for the franchise is different or is the same person as your head coach who's trying to win right now. That gets highlighted if Will Levis is on the board more than it can with basically any other, or if Richardson falls or whatever, more than anybody else. Because the correct theoretical thing to do would be to take the quarterback who's fallen into your lap, unless there's some reason that all of a sudden people are hearing that that he's fallen, that there's something, there's, there's, there's a reason, right? But if you just get lucky and you really like him, you should absolutely take him. But for a coach who's in a win-now mode to take a player who is either going to play like a rookie quarterback, which is probably not that good, or is going to be stuck behind Jacoby Brissett and or Sam Howell, like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help this football team this year. So I do think the trade back is the obvious one there if, if Tampa's willing to come up for it. But at the same time, it, it seems like, like take let's say it's year one of a new coach instead of year four of Rivera. Yeah. You take Levis and you'd be crazy not to. Yeah. And and there are so to to kind of your point though, there are some things that people don't like about his game. Like 2022 was rough, you know, a lot of turnovers, um, not taking care of the football, not reading defenses as well as he was in 2001. Now, new offensive coordinator, a whole bunch of different stuff there. But <clears throat> I think that that is something to consider where he could potentially slide. I also think Anthony Richardson, everyone's really high on him right now, but I think he could also potentially slide. Because I know people are really high on him right now, but there's a lot of inconsistency to, inconsistency to his game. And I think if any one, either one of those guys slides, I think that's good for Washington. Because I don't necessarily think you should take Richardson. Um, I don't necessarily think you should take Will Levis as a priority. But it does increase the likelihood someone will trade up with you to get that quarterback. And I yes. think that's something that needs to be kind of acknowledged. Now, if, now if both of them are sitting there I, and you're Ron Rivera, I think you probably lean Will Levis. But I do think it's hard to turn down what Anthony Richardson brings. And he's a freaky big athlete. And, you know, I think he's got a long way to go as a quarterback still. But I do think that's that's given what you've seen from Fields, given what you've seen from Hertz, I think it might be hard to, to, to turn down. No doubt. All right. So the, to finish out DJ's mock, and then I'll pull up the latest one from McShay too. His is a little bit older, but um, still interesting to look at. Uh, so Kincaid 16 to Washington. The guy that seems obvious that they would actually take is Broderick Jones, who somehow is still on the board at 17. So he goes I'm, to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I think everyone's trying to mock a tackle to Pittsburgh. So, you know, like that kind of works out when you're doing mock drafts. Like you've, I did one last year and you're kind of like, oh, I'd like this player to play here. And it's not like necessarily like the most honest representation of how you think the draft's going to go. I'm not as high on Broderick Jones as a lot of people. I think mm. he's he's only played 19 games. I think he's physically very, very gifted. Looked a little stiff at the combine, which was surprising, given his athletic profile. Um, and I think the other thing about him is he's, because he's got so little playing experience, he has a really hard time setting down a bull, you know, like kind of anchoring into his hips. And mm. it gets me a little concerned versus big boy pass rushers. So I could definitely see him kind of going on a little bit of a skid the coaching staff here might not again what do they think what's their evaluation like on him right because that's that's a big deal you know if if they don't love him don't take him you know what i mean don't take that guy and i personally like if you want a guy to play left he's one of two guys three guys in the draft like the guy so this is we should talk about this too real quick so okay. for tackles specifically guys who can play left tackle are generally overvalued so um paris johnson Skaronsky, Roderick Jones, Anton Harrison will be overvalued in this draft. I personally think the guys with better, not outside of Skaronsky, and pro, outside of Skaronsky for sure, but Paris, uh, but um, 
you know, Matthew, Matthew Broderick, um, Dewan Jones, um, Darnell Wright, those guys, they probably have better college film, like, you know, kind of whatever, but they only play right tackle. So they are going to be devalued a little bit. So those guys will be available later in the draft while those other guys, I think like everyone, no one's talking about Anton Harrison, but Anton Harrison is a guy that you talk around the league and everyone says can play left tackle. And if they say that to you, that means they think very highly of them. And it's someone that is going to go higher than people think. So that's something to keep in mind with that group. Definitely. Uh, all right. So can see, uh, 18 to Detroit, Damn. uh, Levis goes 19 to Tampa, uh, Addison to Seattle, Zay Flowers to the Chargers, Joey Porter Jr. to the Ravens, Hendon Hooker to the Vikings, which makes no sense to me. He's high on him. I've, I've, I've read some of the stuff he's written about Hendon Hooker. He's very, very high on Hendon Hooker. Like when you That's read great. His, he's 25 years old. But I think I think his argument, which in, the, in this thing that I read from Daniel Jeremiah, basically said that he, with the, the longevity of quarterbacks getting pushed out because of how they're protecting them, he could start till he's thirty-five potentially. So you could have a ten-year starter. I don't. Do you agree with him? I don't I know. Mean, but not, it is the, the 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 reasoning is is there for sure. But like, I don't necessarily want to sign my quarterback to his first big money contract, aka his second contract, when he's thirty. Yeah, I know. I dude, I get it. But I'm just saying, like, that's the and way. Also, the yeah. league's going. I get it. My thing with the older guys is always this: if you're 25 and you you can't kick the crap out of college kids. You're not good at all. Yeah. Like, so j if you're an NFL player, like not even a good one, if you're an NFL player and you're playing in college at the age of 25, you should be awesome. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't play NFL football necessarily, but it just like the chances that you're going to be really good and like worth a first round pick to me. No, thanks. And by the way, he's not starting this year. Because they and maybe sell. Minnesota, Minnesota can, you know, kind of afford that, I guess, because their roster is pretty good. But like, if I'm Minnesota, I'm trying to take someone defensively, especially who can start for me this year, not someone who's going to make his first career start when he's 26 years old next year behind after sitting a year behind Kirk Cousins. I just, I hate that pick. But I do think, I do think teams like Seattle with the Anthony Richardson pick on Mel Kuyper's mock yeah. are interesting teams because you can take a guy like Hooker, you can take a guy like Anderson, or Richardson and say, sure. here's the Patrick Mahomes treatment. And I think for both of those guys, that's probably a good situation. So would I be surprised if they picked a quarterback in the first round? Yes. Would I be surprised if they picked a quarterback in the second round? No. But when you talk sure. to like analytics people, this is interesting too, analytics stuff. For quarterbacks specifically, quarterbacks, tackles, and cornerbacks, they they said they, they advocate trading back into the first round to get the fifth year on the contract. Yeah. No, because, I, hear, I hear that. So, so – you know, I, I think that's high for Hooker personally because the system there yeah. is the Baylor offense, and we've seen how the Baylor offense translates schematically to the NFL. But yeah. I get it. I, I I I get the process there. All right, uh, Deontay Banks, Maryland corner, goes to Jacksonville at twenty-four. See, that's crazy. Like, sorry, I'm making a little tangent here. That's no, crazy okay. to me that you're drafting a tight end above Joy Porter Jr., who again is not a great scheme fit here, but just just from like a a value position and Banks before you know it's you're drafting We're talking about Kincaid, commanders yeah, at 16 taking yeah. Kincaid in this one yeah and Broderick Jones like there he's not he's not better his his value a is not better than those guys his positional value is not better 
and the impact on this team won't be more. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's crazy to me that that's the way we go. But whatever. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real bad pick. Uh, <laughs> Joe Tipman, uh, tw- interior offensive lineman from Wisconsin, goes oh. uh, 25 to the Giants. I like him uh, a lot, actually. He's very good. Matsy Smith, uh, defensive tackle out of Michigan, goes Sneaking to the Cowboys. In there, huh? All right. Quentin Johnson to the Bills. Darnell Wright to the Bengals. Michael Meyer to the Saints. Uh, on on DK Uzoma to the Eagles, and then Will McDonald to Kansas City. Mm. Yeah. So again, you got some of those same names in there. I personally think the kid from Northwestern will sneak into the first round. Uh, the kid um, at a barway, at a barway. Mm. But I, I I think that's right. I just don't like that the tight end goes so high, you know, in this draft. And I think that's weird. The hooker thing's also a little bit an outlier. Uh, I've listened to some of the stuff he said about doing mock drafts, and sometimes he does it to make them a little bit spicy so people get talking about them. And here we are talking about Good them. job, DJ. You got yes. us. You got us. Uh, <laughs> the Kuiper the one, or the McShay one, actually, that I mentioned, I th- we think we've already talked about it. He's got it with her spoon falling to 16, so there's not oh. much to talk about there. Like, that's an easy home run done. One, one, last guy I want to talk about real quick, um, and we'll do this again for sure, and we are going to do our own mock draft uh, here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, that'll be really, really fun. Maybe we can recruit a couple of friends. How many, how many people would be ideal to do like a mock draft with? I don't know. Uh, well, now they've got – so now PFF, they have this great feature that is their their mock draft sim. So you can just do – you know, you used to have like four people to kind of snake draft through the whole thing, but mm-hmm. like now we can just use that. And so maybe we get uh, like a celebrity, you know, like maybe Kaim comes in and does it or something like that's that. That's what I was thinking. Likes- like if we, do we want to get like Kaim? Do we want to get a, you know, standings always, always good for a mock yep, draft. A draft like yep. We could, we could get three or four people on here and do it. Uh, I don't know that how many voices fun. do many for a, for a podcast, but we can figure it out. Um, but the other guy that's fallen in a couple that I think is interesting is, is Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Right. Because the way their free agency went, if you want to take an edge at 16, I don't hate it. Yeah. It's probably not the best way the board can fall, but he's a guy that some people have as a top 10 pick. And yeah. if all of a sudden he falls to you at 16 and he can help you eventually solve your your sweat young problem, is, is I don't know what kind of player he is in terms of an edge guy. Is like, you know, is he more of the mold that they have? Is he a bendy guy? Like, I don't know what he is, which is why I'm asking you. But like, what right. do you think of Lucas Van Ness if he's on the board at 16? So when I first watched Lucas Van Ness, I was not high on him. And the thing that I didn't like about him is he just lacked like kind of your traditional bend. He's like two, I think he's like 275, he's 6'5", and he is strong as an ox. I get like strong, like Justin Smith vibes from. Um, oh wow! Yeah, from San Francisco. Like, back yeah, in the he's day. just he's just an ox. You know what I mean? He's just a big, strong dude that delivers power in a way that is very unique to this class. And there are traditionally who's the outside linebacker up in um, Green Bay who was a first round pick. God, bless uh, it. Darius. No, the Smith? other guy. It's it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He Packers fans leave a comment anyway. But he was he was kind of this <laughs> big big edge edge setter not overly bendy and he's getting a lot of comp gray gray doesn't matter but um he's still of, there yeah getting a lot of yeah he's still there getting a lot of comps to him and because people evaluators they say if you see that level of power it'll translate into a good rusher and a good player and i can't disagree with that because that's how strong he is at the line of scrimmage now he didn't start i think he only played 400 snaps last year because iowa has this really weird like seniors play over juniors even though the juniors better which is weird but he played three technique he played edge um and the more you watch him the more you're like i can see it so 
in terms of what you're saying, if he were to follow you at 16, I think he's an interesting pick because of how they play their edges here. They, you know, like think about it. They've just invested all this money in Payne and Allen, right? You have Montez Sweat, who's one of the best edge setters in the NFL. You put Lucas Van Ness on the other side as a rotational piece who is murdering tight ends and murdering tackles. Like, where is that offense going to run? They're going to run right, right to the teeth of the best part of you. So the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, he's not a great bendy guy, but because of that just raw horsepower, again, and because of the the, the pain contract, I don't hate that pick. At yeah. would you rather would you rather Miles Murphy or Tyree Wilson fall? Um, that's a really good question because I think Tyree like once Wilson, you get away from Will Anderson, who's the edge you want to fall? Because Anderson's not falling. So so Tyree Wilson to me reminds me a lot of Trayvon Walker from last year. He's very raw. Very like athletic, very bendy, long armed, kind of like built in a lab type of player. But the film is just a tick below what you'd expect, right? Um, and Van S, to his credit, plays like an absolute psychopath all the time, and I like that a lot. So I think he, I think he has the highest chance to fall because again, the the bend not there, but he plays hard and be a good player. Like, is he going to have the ceiling as a Tyree Wilson? No, but I don't think his floor is the same. And then Miles Murphy, I'm not. I know I've talked to some guys around the league about him. I think he's going to slip a little bit. I think people are a little mm -hmm. disappointed with his 2022 because everyone said he is going to play with the power that Lucas Van Ness is going to play with. And Lucas Van Ness blows his power out of the water in 2022. And so in 2021, there are flashes of that, but it didn't develop the way people thought. So I think there's a little bit of risk there. But um, I, you know, I personally love the kid from Northwestern. I love the kid from Iowa State. So you can get that same type of player later in the draft. But if you think that is an elite kind of one-of-one -one type trait, if he's at 16 and you don't like anybody else on the board and he's a top 10 pick in your mind, which again, I don't know their evaluations here, and it right. very well could be, I think you probably pull the trigger there. And think about that defensive line. Like, that would be absolutely insane. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Rashawn Gary is who you're Thank talking you. about. Jesus. Yeah. Rashawn Gary. All right. Pack, Packers fans. You can, you can just leave your comment that you've already <laughs> left, uh, or you can delete it. It's up yeah, to you. Whatever, whatever uh, you make sure you do leave a comment though. Uh, as we on the radio show, go through them. We do a segment called never read the comments every Wednesday. So make sure that you leave a comment and perhaps I'll respond to it live on the radio. Uh, you can catch me three to six each and every day on the team 980. Make sure you're watching YouTube for command center and everything Logan's doing Logan final word on the way out. Yeah. And just cause we're in the off season. So we're always up for like a random mailbag session. So if you have yes. questions, start leaving them YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you got. Yeah, let's definitely let's plan on doing a mailbag episode next week. Maybe we'll do maybe we'll do a mock draft next week. Maybe we'll do two weeks. Um, I think two on, weeks. on the mock draft. Yeah, let's let's plan on mock draft in two weeks. Uh, we'll do a mailbag question or mailbag segment next week. Uh, and and also like you know let us know who you want to hear from. Uh, if there's someone in the Commanders universe that we've had on or we haven't had on, uh, let us know and we can we can certainly try to schedule something with them. All right, for Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Take. Me.